Good afternoon. My name is Alfie, and today I'm going to talk to you about our work on poetry visualization. This work was conducted under the Digging into Data Challenge GIS and NH program, round two. It was a joint project between the University of Oxford and the University of Utah. The team comprises of six computer scientists, two poets, and a linguist. Working with poets is a fascinating experience. A poem is a complex, dynamic system where poets frequently devote hours to a close reading. Poets would examine the many structural and relational information in a poem, studying it from many different angles, treating it as a form of data exploration. However, to a computer scientist, a poem may appear to be just an ordered sequence of letters and may consider it as a multivariant data set. It could be said that one of the largest professional gaps possibly exists between computer scientists and poets. In our work, we attempted to bridge this gap by applying a user-centered design study on the visualization of poems. There are many models that can be used to develop a software or an application. One of the most commonly used models is the waterfall model. However, using a waterfall model has a huge disadvantage, as it is a big bang implementation, and it is not very flexible when it comes to changes or responding to users' feedback. An alternative to the waterfall model is the nested design model introduced by Mersner in 2009. In this work, we use the nested design model as it allows us to include users' feedback in every level of the design process. And because of its iterative nature, it would also allow us to go back to any of the previous layers in response to the user's feedback. We started the development with the domain problem characterization, where we observe how poets would examine a small corpus without the help of visualization. We then establish a list of questions that a poet may ask during a close reading. For example, how do sounds and other poetic features work in individual poems? This question provided us with our first attempt to characterize the domain problems and users' tasks. In addition to project meetings, we also organized a special workshop where many humanities scholars brought along with them a variety of interesting problems that may be subject to visualization solutions. The visualization researchers also attended a poetry reading and engaged in in-depth discussion with poets on sound and timing in poems, as well, and, as well as on existing text visualization techniques. We then explored existing tools of visualization, such as many eyes, by looking at tag clouds, phrase-net, and word tree. We also have sketched out examples of visualization, such as tree maps and parallel coordinates, to show to our poets using the data we extracted from the corpuses and poems. The response that we got back from them is that this is not what they're looking for. They're not interested in counting or quantifying either within poems or across large collection of poems. This was, a, this was an intense period of mutual education for both sides. The next stage of our development was the data and operation abstraction. In order to help the visualization researchers get a better understanding of the data, our poets proposed 
to us a pilot study on a free verse poem entitled Night by Louis Bogan, with the emphasis on how sound develops in the poem through time. The hypothesis that we wanted to evaluate was that the timing of reading this poem aloud might be sensitive to different accents. We got two of our poets from two different regions to record their readings and added a computer recording of a computer reading to the data set. Once again, we quickly sketch out visualization of these recordings with the words of the poem. Maybe because we did not have enough samples, we did not get the proof or evidence that we needed to support the hypothesis. The one thing that we did find out was that the readings of humans or poets are more similar to each other than a computer reading as a computer seems to weigh its syllables uniformly. Whereas humans or, or poets seems to be pronouncing the words in the poem as they read it. Although this exercise was inconclusive, our poets were made aware of the importance and capability of multivariant visualization. They told us that they want something like this, but this is not what they wanted. From there, we began to work on identifying different poetic attributes that we can compute and can visualize to stimulate hypotheses and evaluate them visually. We started by compiling a list of observation tasks. We were able to capture 52 tasks, and out of which we were able to identify 33 measurable variables that we can associate with them. We then followed the task list with a questionnaire, asking our poets to rate the importance of each variable from their point of view. Our poets came back to us telling us that all of them are important except seven, as they are either global statistic or not important to poems that are in English. This left us with 26 variables, which we divided into semantic and phonetic groupings. We did consider to reduce the total number of variables, but we found that by removing some variables, we would also reduce the amount of observation that a poet could make during in a close reading. After the data and operation abstraction, we began the encoding and interaction design. <coughs> to display a poem, we divided the visual, re visual representation of a poem into five different regions, where region one to region three belongs to the phonetic group to be used for visualizing the phonetic relations and attributes, while region four to region five, we assign it to the semantic group for visualizing the word units and the semantic relations. As you can probably remember, we have identified 26 variables that are needed to be visualized. How do we map all of the 26 variables to its available visual channels? One approach is to get the user to manually determine the 26 different mappings to a naively designed control, pan to a naive design control panel. But this approach can cause cluttering and can reduce the user's experience. An alternative is to have a fixed mapping from the variable to the visual channels. This approach is easier to implement but with a disadvantage, as some variables would always be mapped to a more powerful visual channels, making the visual analysis of other less important variables more difficult. This would be problematic if the research task of the poet requires an intensive observation of the lesser important variables. To display the 26 phonetics and semantic variables of a poem, we came up with four simple rules. 
By using these four simple rules, we were able to provide the poets with a control panel that is more user-friendly. We then look at how we can display the poems. There are two ways how the poems are being laid out. One is by arranging all the characters and words in a single line using a latitude layout. We accompanied the latitude layout. Oops, sorry. We then look at how we can display the poems. There are two ways of how the poems are being laid out. One is by arranging all the characters and words in a single line using a latitude layout. We then accompany the latitude layout with two different forms of over, overview to help us with the display of the whole poem with its connecting arc. First is the downsample with uniform scaling, and the second is the focus and context using uniform scaling, using non-uniform scaling. The other layout that we explore is the conventional layout of a poem in two-dimensional. We examine the feasibility of visualizing poems in their organic layout. The main difficulty is that the connection lines running among other visual channels such as symbol can cause extensive visual cluttering. In our work, we implemented a layout that allows connection lines to run on either the left-hand side or the right-hand side of the poems. And we use offset mechanism to separate out the different groupings. By this stage, our poets said to us that they don't need the arcs. It's not actually what they wanted. They're more interested in the sound and the changes of sound in the words. As one of our poets said to us, the moment I see the title, I know the rhyming structure. To further help us understand what they wanted, our poets arranged for us to sit through a close reading during our trip to Utah. The close reading starts with a reading of a poem, and then this is followed by an intense discussion about the poem. This observation and recording were very useful to us, as from here on, we began to understand what poets really want. After the observation of the close reading, we realized that we needed to go back to the encoding and interaction design to find out ways of how we can represent sound. We used the International Phonetic Alphabet for displaying our phonetic symbols. For this, we examined the many existing charts of the vowels and consonants pronunciation and explored the many different ways that people are representing and displaying them. In our work, we use glyph design to help us to associate specific vowels to the position and geometries of their sounds. We look and explore many different designs, starting from a mouth-shaped representation, and finally settling on an abstract representation of rows and columns position. Because of the size of the glyph, we found that it was difficult to determine the position in the design if we use a more realistic geometry. In the final design, the vowels are encoded from right to left, that is the front, central, and back, for which part of the tongue is raised, and from top to bottom to indicate close, mid, and open, that is how far the tongue is raised. We use circles for rounded vowels and squares for unrounded vowels. To make the glyph more stand out, we also map the rounded and unrounded vowels to two different colors that are orange and purple. In order to show the movements of sounds, we use two different colors intensity to indicate the transition of the vowel's position. 
For example, on this slide, it shows the vowel position moved from a close back to a close front, where a light shade indicates the previous position, while a darker shade indicates the current position. Poem Viewer has been implemented as a web application, where we make use of D3 as a tool to help us to generate the visualization. We also use Java and Tomcat as our back-end tools, and we also have utilized the Oxford Dictionary API for the automatic translation of the phonetic transcription. That's all for my talk. Thank you for listening. And I'd like to thank my collaborators.